0: Episode of Confer Culture brought to you by Timmy Theories, the podcast where we talk about the topics that many of us are passionate about. I'm your host, Chris Murphy, and this week I'm joined by Tim Kiefler, the one, the only. (laughs) And once again, we'll be doing this episode over the internet uh, due to the craziness that is coronavirus uh, and social distancing, of course. So, that being said, in this episode, we'll be talking about. New content and ideas, and do people actually want new content and ideas, and sort of our feelings around that? So uh, I'm gonna give the floor to Tim because I know he has a lot to say about this topic, and we're just gonna take it from there. So go ahead, Tim. Uh, I'm gonna say no. (laughs) (laughs) End the podcast. It's over. Stop recording. We did it. One minute. Woo! Yeah, that's that's
1: gotta be a record, right? Uh, That's all right. Shortest podcast ever. Okay, so here's the deal. I have a, oh jeez, I'm talking loud. You know, I'm getting excited when I start l- talking loudly. Uh, okay. I have some, I have some very strong feelings about this, and I'm gonna preface, uh, or pre warn you guys, because Chris and I talked a little bit of you, uh, in advance of this uh, conversation. Uh, I kind of went into my, the world I go into when I think about art and creativity, and. Uh, the importance of it, and I think, I think it is really important for there to be new ideas out there. I think that it is, it is something that maybe we fall back on as a fear when we think, "Oh, there's nothing new out there. There's nothing that we can look at that is um, isn't doesn't exist. Uh, it all exists. It's all been done before." I've heard that, and I'm sure we all have. It's an idiom. It's a cultural idiom. It's in like tons of different books and belief systems that it's all been done before um i would argue that that is completely not the case um all that you really need to have a new idea is to be yourself you need to go into an experience taking what your own personal experiences and uh, opinions and ideas are and apply it to that topic place person whatever and it will always be the case that you'll be able to contribute something. So um, I think people do want to hear your voice, whoever you are, whatever you are, whatever you care about. And when, when we turn the lens around back to the, the person consuming that content or idea, um, humans like stories. We're social animals. Of course, we're going to want to hear your take. So I very simply put, I think we do need to see new ideas and do people do want them. Maybe they don't always know what they want, but that's why we have YouTube and, um, you know, podcasts so we can look for these things and find where all the cool stuff is.
0: Yeah. And kind of to expand on that a little bit, uh, at least the idea that nothing new exists anymore, or everything's been done. Um, uh, Maybe in the overall kind of general concept of an idea like, you know, like any kind of heist movie, well, heist movies has been done to death, but maybe this particular heist movie does something unique with uh, part of the concept. Maybe it's only 10 minutes of screen time where it's different, but it isn't the same. It's not that it's not the same as things that have come before you know they turn it on maybe they turn something on its head or like uh take something for instance like tucker and dale versus evil where they turn the horror movie slasher concept on its head where the teenagers are actually so the the two guys that they think are the yeah so like it's it's great so the the two sort of hillbilly looking guys are innocent and they're not actively trying to kill anybody and they're actually really peaceful and they're actually really scared of the teens but the teens think they're slashers and are kind of hunting them down and they become the bad guy. So slasher films have been done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times but this is one of those films where it kind of just turns just does that little tweak and even though the whole the general concept of a slasher film has been done this is a unique film. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would I would also push back on there's no such thing as a new idea or whatever. Now in terms of people, what whether they want new content, uh, I think that's a little bit more of a nuanced kind of discussion. I think people say they do. And then, and, and so an example that I can think of is I watch a lot of YouTube videos about movies and a lot of panel discussions. Cause that's kind of the format I really enjoy. So I hear people on these panels and in those videos all the time, complain about the lack of originality in Hollywood. But those yeah, same absolutely. people. Will, yeah. So, but those same people will turn around and gush about the latest Marvel movie or they'll talk about how they saw star Wars four times. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where you say one thing and you kind of do another. Now, I know so you can like both it's that's not what I'm saying it's just that I'm just I'm not so sure that people actually do want new content at least all the time anyway
1: yeah so I and I I would agree that in most cases where people are resisting new content it's probably because they are um they don't really see the value of it or maybe they're afraid that it could fail or, you know, there's that other idea of, well, I'll get it, but the average person will get it. So why would I go watch this? Or, um, you know, we don't want to go too far on this idea because, um, it might, it might be weird. So I, th- I think when we talk about the popular stuff that gets made and put out there, uh, kind of going into commercial and popular realms, it's because what's uh, what's been successful before. There's a huge desire to recreate that success, and it's safe, right? So, you know, we have to we have to look at examples of successful things that are a little bit different. And like that Tucker and Dale example is great because it shows that you can see horror movies exist out there that don't necessarily fit a specific mold, but which do tread new ground. And you know, I've probably used this example tons of times before, but I'll use it again, because it's a great one. Um, there's a movie spoof uh, that came out three or four years ago, talks about final girls, and it uses the very popular example of a um, slasher. Um, and the, the final girl has to make it to the end and the story can't end if the final girl doesn't make it. And it's a great movie because it, it it upends a lot of those ideas. It still fits within the genre. People get destroyed and, you know, like it's teens getting killed for all kinds of stupid reasons like having sex or doing, dr- doing drugs or drinking or whatever, right? But it kind of captures that idea. And uh, it's a good movie.
0: Yeah. Is that the one where they actually go into the film?
1: Yeah, they do. They go into the film. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Alan Ackerman, I think is the,
0: yeah, I've seen that movie. It's actually pretty good.
1: Yeah. it but is. yeah, actually it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: <laughs> but yeah, you, I mean, you know, that's definitely an example of, of where you can kind of turn something on its head. So, and you know you see that in in all kinds of uh, all kinds of different art forms like music. I mean, there's thousands of metal bands out there, but they're all sort of doing their own thing. And there's there's too many subgenres to mention. And I swear there was a point in time where I almost thought that there were. Uh, there was a new subgenre being being invented every day, but it's one of those things where the, again, I think the general kind of conceit conceit, uh, the concept can be explored. Yeah. Like that's been done to death, but at the same time, man, one of my
1: favorites is Viking metal. It's like, I didn't didn't know that this could exist and it does. And yeah. And there's, there's
0: a, yeah. And there's like a band that, they've done several albums and it's super hardcore death metal and they it's their all their songs are about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, (laughs) I mean it's, it's just, yeah, it's one of those things that, uh, absolutely. It it just, yeah. I just think, like I said, the overall, you can, you can do those little tweaks.
1: So looking at it from a creative perspective of someone who wants to make creative stuff and to, to be out in the world and, and, and they have that nagging fear of well is anybody actually gonna want this new content? I think you just have to look at it like what are the examples that exist already that have subverted these expectations? Who can I go to that I care about their opinion and get feedback from them and really explore the idea that I want to try something new? Um look to those critics or look to those artists who you you respect and admire and and think about, you know what, if you're if you're a artist or an illustrator or whatever your passion, yeah, maybe there's going to be people there who say, why don't you just do this because it exists already. I say it doesn't have to be this way. It can be your way, and you can put your spin on it. So don't give up. Just stick to it. Stick to your guns, and eventually you will have your own uh, influencer empire. As an example, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, where yeah. you talk about the arts and people don't knock you for having armchair philosophies, which you know what? There's enough. There's enough stuff out there that kind of fits into one vein. That it's there's lots of room for growth on the internet. But that's the amazing thing about technology that we're this. Now I'm going to go on a bit of a soapbox, but living on the, living in the times that we live, we we have this great advantage where we can. We can make all kinds of cool stuff and access it from all over the world. So, just kind of expanding on that idea, what, what I what I really want to get at here is there's so many reasons to not do creative stuff, and to not look into new things, and to uh, you know make that statement of, well, it's not important, so I'll just stick to that. And I hate to say this, but. Stick to those Marvel movies because they're they're popular and they're safe. Um, yeah, I think I think know kind of what I wanted to go here with is just to continue on my soapbox for a little bit longer, and then I'll give it back to you. Um, <laughs> I think we all know that there's a, a a little critic that lives in every creative person's head, and they kind of challenge themselves on. You just have to remember that and and think like there's a reason why that's there it's to challenge you and to make you better. So whenever someone's doing something a little bit different, like we should really celebrate that. Um, I agree. Yeah. And and if you don't care about what you're doing, you can't really expect anybody else to care about what you're doing either. Right. So it's important to, to be like your own champion. And, and again, again, if you're looking at creative endeavors that other people might not necessarily be supporting and and chris obviously you and i are 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 great for this like just really stand up for that thing and 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 present it to the world say this is awesome check it out yeah just just champion it you mean yeah yeah
0: yeah Um, yeah we're we we definitely do that with a lot of kind of underappreciated stuff now mind you like we were talking about before like i do think that there is a place for both but I, I One of the key uh, words that you just said that I, I sort of want to focus on a little bit is, is safe. And I think yeah. people will gravitate to, towards stuff that they think is safe. And that old adage, the old stereotype that people fear change and that they're not good with, with dealing with change in their life, I think that definitely applies to how they consume art.
1: 100%, yeah. And, um, and the other thing too, is I think maybe the reason why this happens is we're trying so hard to look at stuff that fits everyone and maybe not necessarily, uh, fits a specific person or a specific interest or And i And I'll get to this a little bit later on, but sometimes when you're looking at what kind of stuff you want to make or put out there. You should be thinking about who the audience is because, um, invariably, that audience will. Yes, oh, god! I can't believe I make this analogy. If you <laughs> build it, they will come. Yeah, right. Um, and 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 trendiness is oh, is the worst. Please don't follow trends. Don't just <laughs> like like something because your your friends like it. Like you can like stuff because your friends like it, but don't like it objectively like things only because your friends like it that's like that's a recipe for disaster yeah Um, and i mean
0: you don't you don't get to have
1: it's almost like you don't have your own identity at that point like as an example if and i know this would never happen but like let's say i was an authority on pop culture and i told everyone to like the fast and the furious and everyone started liking <laughs> the Fast and Furious. All we would ever have is the Fast and the Furious. That's right. And I like it, but that's not all I like. And I like like what I like about it is that it's not a specific um thing. Like it's it's its own thing. It's its own content at this point. Like yes, we can say it's an action series, but it's like it's it's a weird thing, and it's like amazing that it's. A commercial success at the same time but uh i wouldn't change it and i wouldn't expect everyone to love it so that's my my one little ping about the fast and the furious but um <laughs> Wait, I, is, the, is the quota one per podcast is, is, the, is that it's what like I, I didn't do it on the last couple so i'm, I'm pretty proud no, of that's
0: me. that's true that's true i'll give you credit i i am just giving you crap though <laughs> what kind of uh, friend would i be if i didn't give you crap for it
1: it's true it's important <laughs> um And then the other thing is, okay, so just I'm going to mention this because I'm excited about this. We're going to be talking about criticism and critical stuff and the importance of criticism in some other podcasts. Um, I think whether you are a creator or a consumer, you should understand the thing that you care about. So I think once you get to that point in your life where you understand things a lot better, you're you're it's more likely that you're going to recognize you don't know as much as you thought you did and that there's (laughs) more out there than what you think.
0: Yeah. I think that comes with a bit of age too. I would also like to interject and say, uh, you should not only, uh, understand what you like, but you should, or things about it. You should understand why too, like why you like something. Uh, cause oftentimes I find that will, it will off. It will lead you down the path to other things that maybe you didn't know about, but you also like for similar reasons. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, another thing that's important is when you're making art or when you're consuming art, um, it shouldn't be convoluted. <laughs> it should be very clear to you what that thing is and what, why it exists so like i think i bet you chris if i asked you why you love the evil dead you could probably sum it up in a sentence i mean you could go on for forever about it but the fact that you've (laughs) thought about it so much you have a very clear understanding of why you love it yeah and uh and then when you think about new things because you love that thing so much you can very clearly explain why you like a new show like we were talking about ozark or um altered carbon or whatever like because it's new and it means something to you being able to articulate it simply is important Mm -hmm. because then you can differentiate between it and something else. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure.
0: And so when, so I guess like a question for you then it's when, when you're creating art, how much do you, how much thought do you put in? And I know artists are often their own worst critic i i've you know i've done uh, i've i've had a hobby of photography on the side here and there and what other people will say is good you'll look at and say that's trash but when you're creating it how much stock do you put in to how you think it might be received or how how it kind of fits into this conversation like how uh it'll affect people in terms of whether or not they want something new or how original is it? Like does original, I guess, yeah. Does originality like fix, like, is it a fixture in, in in your process when you're creating or is it something that
1: you realize kind of after the fact? All right. So, so answering that question, I think can be a bit of a challenge for a lot of people because I've had so much time to think about it myself. Um, I generally hold the position that I should be making art for my own validation first. And yeah, absolutely. I want to look at stuff and enjoy it based on what other people like. But um, I don't necessarily need other people to be influencing my decisions on what kind of art I'm making. Um, and you know what we, we do, we did talk about maybe having a, an episode talking about art criticism or, mm-hmm. um, creative criticism. So I can expand yeah. on that idea more, you know, in a later that, episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for me, I think ultimately, no, I don't, I don't subscribe to that idea. I don't need to be making stuff with the expectation that someone else is going to, um, you know, Unless it's, unless, it's, unless it's something that I'm making for a commission, mm-hmm. I generally make my own stuff and hope that people like it. I mean, obviously, I have a certain audience in mind in most cases, but I hope that answers the question.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think it does. And I mean, um, I think you're, you strike me as a person who's like, you're creating art and it happens to be kind of representing you in that kind of moment. Uh, you're capturing who you kind of, or how you're kind of feeling then as opposed mm-hmm. to like setting out to do something specific. Although I think that there are artists who are, they're definitely about being more on the cutting edge so they' probably, they probably
1: do have that in mind. I would think. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of my art, um, if, we, if we have a little bit of time out to talk about, I don't want to like go on for 20 minutes, but um, <laughs> a lot of the stuff that I've made in the past and that I, I'm always thinking about making want to make is, is related to identity. So how do I feel like you said about something or what ideas come out of it for me? So, you know, unironically, timid theories is related a lot to identity and building your, your brand and your art and your exposure and what kind of stuff you should be exposing yourself to. So I think kind of, kind of added unto itself demonstrably kind of makes my statement for me, but, um, yeah. Okay. So another thing I wanted to talk about with this sort of list of things you should keep in mind as you're creating things, whether they're new or, uh, or you're absorbing them is really stop worrying about external validation. So I, I kind of touched on that in that answer to that question you had, but Mm-hmm. We don't need to worry about what other people think. We don't need to worry about what people like. Um, as soon as you start to do that, I think that's where you get down into that road of fear again, where you're making decisions based on, you know, maybe what people might like or dislike. And so you're now, oh, I'm not going to watch this show because, you know, what if people, what would people think? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's not an issue for you and I at our, at our stages in life, but I could easily see someone in their teens or, uh, even in their twenties, not wanting to watch something or listen to something or experience something because, well, what would, what, what if someone found out that I like this?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're like less, like, as we talked about your, when we were talking about how your belief systems impact the art you consume, the example of that kind of I gave growing up in a small town in the 80s in Newfoundland uh, where, you know, you weren't, nobody admitted if, if you were a guy, you did not admit that you liked musicals, for example, or um, romantic comedies or something like that. So yeah. 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 And I, and I think too, also to your point where you start getting into that, 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 sense of fear when you're making art, then I think you probably, or maybe not probably, but you might get into the habit of making safer stuff then too, that you think people will like and want to see. And maybe you don't make things as original perhaps as you would otherwise. Yeah. And
1: in in anything in life, it's persistence and um, experience that will inevitably get you credentials and get you success. So when you start getting wrapped up in that mindset of like, Oh, what's the newest, greatest thing? Like you're not really putting yourself in a position to get better. You're just yeah. always chasing down something, um, insubstantial. So, or
0: whatever's trendy as you put before, right?
1: Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's challenging. Cause like I'm coming at it from a perspective perspective of creating, um and consumption and and I I know that it's it, it's hard to frame the discussion that way but it's just something that I'm always thinking about personally so yeah um that's a good point yeah so a couple other things I wanted to mention um it's okay it's okay to have you know confidence in your abilities and confidence in your ideas so on the other side of the coin it's okay to be excited and passionate about stuff but don't come don't come into a situation and proclaim your ideas or your the thing that you're interested in that's new is the best thing ever yep. uh you got to check that ego cuz that's i think where sometimes people there you could find someone who's a champion for a new show that you like or you know a gallery that you want to go to or i don't even know what's, uh, let's say uh, you, you you got a haircut and you're going around talking about how awesome it is. And all of a sudden um, you know, you're going to alienate yourself and people are going to be disingenuous with you afterwards about it because uh, I don't know, like between you, but just on my own, like I, I don't appreciate that. I don't like being told that uh, what I care about is not as important as what someone else cares about. So yeah, it's, it's important to make those make that distinction and understand not to have those. um, Yeah. To have that ego. So yeah, I completely completely.
0: agree. And even from a, I won't say I'm a non-artist, but uh, maybe less creative than most people Uh, from my point of view, that's something that I actually like struggle with a lot because I get super passionate about something and then this is the greatest thing ever. And they'll say, well, mm-hmm. I love this reality TV show. I'm like, "Oh, reality TV is garbage. <laughs> so it's like, it's one <laughs> of those things where, where, so we were talking about before and I, and I yeah. was, I was saying that, um, in sorry, in, in, uh, uh, an earlier episode and I was, uh, talking about how it's just not for me. And to me, like I have to, it's that's a, that's a, an everyday battle with me to, to, to frame it like that, as opposed to saying, well, reality TV sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's better to say is cause it really is. It's not for me, but it's it, like other people enjoy it. So who am I to say that it's terrible?
1: Yeah. Even if, even so, if
0: that's what I actually think it's, it's a lot about, you know, what you say and how you frame it. So.
1: Yeah. You just, you just want to be careful not to offend to hurt people's feelings and make them feel left out or less than anything in life right
0: yeah or less than for liking something that maybe you don't like which is yeah so yeah it's not fair but yeah i mean i think so i think that people's i i'm wondering too if if people's to to sort of go down a bit of a different path how people's drive for new or familiar can maybe drive like the output of different art mediums and i'm i'm gonna go to film specifically because i mean studios will there's the studio formulas exist for a reason right Uh, it's it's their you know that their business and they're there they are there to make money but there are what four or five transformers films and neither one of them are particularly any good but they're they keep making them for a reason and the reason is people keep going to it. So that kind of demand drives, um, something maybe less original. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I don't know if you've, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced that or, or come across that in in sort of the arts community here, but I, I thought it was maybe just kind of
1: an interesting point. Well, I mean, you can look at, um, music for example, I think there's lots of instances in the music scene in Edmonton where artists are creating a lot of folk and indie music. music. It's it's fairly common, and it doesn't necessarily mean that that's bad or that I even dislike it myself, but I think um, we get into these patterns and, and cycles of, of creativity too, where stuff just gets made over and over again because it's what's currently being successful. So it's perpetuated. Um, and in the marketplace, whether it's film or music or fine art or whatever, it's it's, it's, it's those moments where, like I said, people kind of make a subtle shift and that's where we see a trend away from things. If we look at back at um, 2008 when Iron Man came out, Yep. That was like, it wasn't that um, unique of an idea to have an action film, but it was unique to have a superhero in an action film. Um, yep. And so that was a little bit of a twist. And then now it's kind of evolved into, this is what a superhero film looks like. And that's the dominant methodology for making a superhero like you've talked about it lots where you say like, oh, yeah. they're making another Marvel origin movie and checks off all the boxes.
0: Yeah. Cause so- Disney has a formula and that's also a future topic for a podcast, but <laughs> it's uh, yeah, d- they, they've, they found a formula that is successful after making several movies. And even after being successful with uh, phase two specifically in the Marvel cinematic universe, where they had a bunch of different types of, of films within that. But even then, they found they've kind of settled into a groove because they found the one that makes the most money and that has become their kind of de facto Friend way of, yeah way of making them now right yeah
1: absolutely so i i think i think the big the big point here is with that list of stuff as, as a creative person just understand that you don't have to um you don't just back to my original point, my, my overarching point of this. People can make stuff. It's all about what your perception and perspective is and your individual experience. You can bring it into any content and any capacity. You will be generating something new. So, right. um, where the Marvel formula, as an example, is not generating anything new now, it's because they're not necessarily pulling from anything other than what exists within their framework. So if they want to inject newness into it, they'll have to pull from other facets of, um, their, you know, history. And, you know, I'm really actually really excited to see what about the, what if content on Disney plus, because that's such a unique, unique, um, part of comic book uh culture where you can explore these those kind of like alt scenarios and and you know in in video games growing up um one of my favorite video games of all time and man it's gonna age me but uh (laughs) is chrono trigger and there's in this in this video game there's these alternate endings and alternate um outcomes of the story that you can experience much like again another old idea uh, uh in literature the choose your own adventure mm-hmm. so just going down that road in 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 the story is really neat to me because now they can explore the the weird stuff and i'm really hoping it takes off because then me maybe too. they'll do more stuff that's a little bit different out yeah. of the norm yeah
0: yeah but, i mean uh that game specifically chrono, chrono trigger it was for sure, that was like a pioneer almost in in that realm. Now there are a bunch of games, but I don't find actually any of them do it quite as well as that one did. Video gaming industry is actually super interesting for this topic too because how many first person shooters do you see <laughs> all the time? And they're like a dime a dozen. Or uh, Assassin Creed games are basically the same game over and over and over again with a few a couple of exceptions. Yeah. But third person adventures. What's really interesting, because uh, with the advent of um, downloadable content, you can go on to the PlayStation Store or Xbox Live Store, whatever it's called. I don't have an Xbox, but you can download all these crazy indie games now that are really pushing the envelope or you had big hits like Life is Strange or uh, Guardian or things like so... It's come around. It's come back around where a lot of people are pushing back against the bigger studios like EA or Ubisoft or things like that. And they're embracing a lot more of the smaller developers because they find that they're getting newer and different stuff. So I feel like the video game industry is actually one of the rare exceptions where people do want new things. I mean, that being said, um, Call of Duty will sell a million copies every year. But I feel like there's more like a small developer can actually make money off of a, a, a small game that does something interesting, which is I find that fascinating.
1: Yeah, so it just comes down to the question of how do you how do you f- access that new content and where does it exist? And so that DLC content, like you mentioned, is important because it's um. It's, it's an avenue to new stuff right yep it's a way to find games that explore new me- mechanisms they explore new concepts themes um even like the visual storytelling element um I, I I find like it's weird to say this but I find I enjoy platformers and 2d games or even like really really simple games a lot of the time right now because of my limited um free time yeah but if i can hop into a game with a very simple structure Mm -hmm. i can play it pick it up and put it down and kind of go back into it whenever i feel like and not feel like oh man i've been away for this from for so long that i don't know what to do anymore
0: yeah yeah no i can definitely see that i've had that experiences with a number of games where i just you know, games that you can't easily pop out of and pop back into like the last of us, for example, I never did finish it because it's a game that you have to spend a lot of time with. And I just don't have that time to, you know, spend eight to 10 hours like in a single sitting playing a video game. So yeah, I totally get that. Cool.
1: Yeah. That's, that's, I'm glad we're on the same page on that. (laughs) So, um, another thing I wanted to talk about, which I thought was pretty neat. Um, so in my research, as you guys know, I'm, I'm a big fan of researching things, especially when it comes to creating new content. Um, so in my travels around the internet, I found this article um, by the um, the blog team at HubSpot. Uh, the author, her name is Sophia Bernazzini, and you can find her on Twitter at soph underscore B-R-E-N. So she she did this article and it talks about the types of content audiences really want to see. Uh, the reason why I bring this up is because we had this really cool conversation, like independently of podcasting. But we were talking about you know COVID nineteen and self isolation and you know content and way people are consuming content. And I think we both agree that podcasting is kind of a neat way to to talk about art and culture and whatever in this sort of new context we're in. Mm -hmm. Um, But what's interesting about this article is when they surveyed the sample survey they have is, I want to say it's like 10,000 people or something, but uh, about four years ago uh, they did this survey and they said, okay, if you had a choice between accepting a certain kind of content, yes or no, Uh, What would you want to see? And so they they went through a list of like 20 different things. And at the top of the list is social media content. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, with 45% of people saying they want to see that kind of content. Then news articles representing uh, 45% of people want to see that as well. 43% of people want to see videos. 33% of people want to see online classes. 31% want to see interactive tools and articles. Thirty-one percent want to see research content. Twenty-nine percent want to see blogs. Twenty-one percent want to see business content. Seventeen percent want to see pop culture content, and seventeen percent want to see podcasts. So it's interesting how, and you can we can debate this if you want, but it's interesting how um, that dynamic just all of a sudden flips with uh, this new world we're living in like it's very weird but i think we're probably going to find over the next six to 12 months that the way that people consume content is going to dramatically shift and maybe they'll be wanting more of these things or maybe they'll want more things um certain kinds of content more than others and i don't know if social media is going to see a big uptick or if it's going to be uh videos but i know in the past years a few years at least from a marketing perspective we definitely put out more video content
0: yeah yeah for sure and you know uh i've already seen a bit of an uptick in social media things like uh, people doing kind of interactive q a's uh, just on twitter or uh ricky gervais a few times has uh broadcasted i I don't know if it's a podcast specifically, but I've seen, because I follow him on Twitter, so I see in his Twitter feed that uh, he started a broadcast. So I, I'm assuming he's doing some kind of, I don't know if it's, uh, if, he, if it's like what he, the podcast he used to do with Stephen Merchant. And, um, oh God, I can't remember the name of the other guy. But uh, at any rate, a couple of his uh, friends that he's been doing podcasts with forever. And mm-hmm. uh, Carl, Carl something is his name. Anyway, and... I don't know if it's that again or if he's just telling some jokes or whatever, but he's trying to provide some levity, obviously, in the, you know, in the current situation. And, yeah, I've already seen an uptick, like, things like that. And I've seen a little bit less YouTube content, to be quite honest, because a lot of that relies on people being in the same room. So yeah. they got to figure out the technology. Do do yeah, exactly. So the technology kind of is there. But it's not near as like the the thing that we're recording on, like when I bring the files into this program I use called Audacity, it almost sounds like we're in the same room at certain times, you know what I mean, So the quality is like pretty good, but when you're doing video, you have to use Zoom or you have to use um Skype or something like that, and those technologies are they're okay but they're not phenomenal and they're not near as good as the stuff that they use like in their studio. And uh, the Dice Tower is is a thing that I can definitely point to. And I mean, the stuff is like, it's still entertaining, but they have a lot the of technological... Consistent. Yeah. And they did a top 10 list where uh, one of the co-hosts had to repeat his number six because their internet connection just fell off. So it was... It's like... Or his Skype session or whatever fell off. So it's one of those things where it's there, but it's, I think it's still a little bit harder to do than this. So I'm wondering if that's why I'm seeing like a little bit less YouTube stuff and we're still well, it, podcasts, like at least once a week. Right.
1: Well, I mean, if, if we don't want to get super geeky, but like, if you think about <laughs> it, when it comes to video, uh, you rely heavily on having your, your lighting set up in a way that looks, uh, pleasing to the eye. Yeah. And if the other person is in a dark room or, you know, has a, has light that's blinding from one side or not. The other cast shadows or, behind them and, or anything. Yeah. You know, even just the, the quality of the camera can make a difference in terms of, um, how much information it picks up. So it's very interesting. And I'm, like I said, I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how, how the landscape shifts in the next six to 12 months. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll introduce new technologies.
0: Yeah, maybe. Maybe somebody come up with a better way of doing the video conferencing stuff that doesn't cost a fortune. Yeah. because Again, see, so like the program that I'm using to mix the sound is free. The program or the website we're recording with, Zencaster, is free. We're on the free account on that. Like, this isn't costing me anything. <laughs> but if you want a really an excellent video with really good lighting and, you know, all that good setup, you're going to have to spend quite a bit of money. Whereas, mm-hmm. I mean, the mics and the audio interface I'm using aren't cheap, but they're not. It wasn't ridiculous. You know, I, I'm not spending thousands of
1: dollars on this thing. I'm really not. Yeah, so that's a good point. Um But maybe we move on to the next one. So uh, I thought we could also talk a little bit about the impact of popular culture on society and how it can cause new things to generate just out of its own sort of um, insular bubble. Bubble is that maybe the right way of putting it. Um, so, good example of this is Comic Con. Lots lots of young people go to Comic Con. I mean, obviously it's it's more popular. Um, with people who really love comics. And I think the demographic for that is actually an aging demographic overall. Yeah.
0: But... Uh, although I would say that, uh, it's comic-con is especially San Diego comic-con has, uh, gotten more pop culture overall inclusive now. Cause it's like the Marvel's written out hall H all the time. And you know, so.
1: Mm-hmm. So there's lots of instances with pop culture, actifying as a unifying agent for kids and, um bringing people together who maybe don't necessarily feel like they have a voice or or that you know don't know where to go to look for things so I personally feel like those kinds of conventions and I'll you use know, one that I'm a lot more familiar with which is board gaming, mm-hmm. I think like those types of conventions and avenues will introduce you to new ideas. Um, so, I think that they can be a gateway for people who maybe um rightly or wrongly are, are willfully or otherwise ignorant of new ideas, right? Yeah. Um You know, and, and I, as an example of that, um going into the board games again, I I've always kind of taken the the stance when it comes to hobby board gaming that I don't know enough about gaming to assume authority on one thing that I'm interested over another because there are literally tens of thousands of board games out in the world that have been created. In a lot of cases, they're they're independently created. So you know that new ideas are coming up and new themes are being connected to each other.
0: Yeah, and it's definitely got more... The themes have definitely gotten more complex as, as the years have gone on. And, you know, there used to be euros have and for people who don't know what that uh um what that concept means it means basically uh it refers to a certain type of game where uh, typically they used to be made in europe not so much anymore but yeah it's like a lot of um there's less luck less dice rolling uh more uh sort of planning out your turns or tactical like that kind of you know more planning that so that that's when i say euro that's kind of what i mean so the themes for those games used to be very dry and and barely there in my opinion I, i've played a number where it's like i'm just moving wooden discs on a board uh henza tetanica mm-hmm. i actually played that with uh a guy that we played um that we play with quite often uh, hugs Uh, It's his favorite game and I played it and I'm, I said, I'm, I can see where you, you know, I can see why you love it. The mechanics are really good. I'm just, I was pushing around cubes and discs and I just couldn't get into it. And so it's gone from that to, I have one of my favorite games, the gallerist where you're running an art gallery. So, I mean, it's, they become a lot more, uh, diverse as the years have gone
1: on for sure. Mm -hmm. And what's neat about it too is, um, when you start to see intersections between one type of popular culture and another. So as an example, um, you know, we talk about Lord of the Rings. That's a pretty heavy hitter in terms of pop culture. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, they, they, his work shown up in all kinds of other examples, like Led Zeppelin songs and Led Zeppelin isn't by no means uh, current music. It's classic music, right? But it's, there was intersections with that. Or <clears throat> in the Marvel movies, which are less classic, uh, there's a point where Iron Man calls Hawkeye uh, Legolas, right? Or you know, if we want to go into even more common examples, um, you can talk about t- television shows like Big Bang Theory, referencing everything. And not that that nec- necessarily is a good pop culture show, uh, there's a lot of problems with it, but yeah, uh, there's there's How I Met Your Mother. Uh, the, they talk about Star Wars all the time or Supernatural talking about a bunch of different things like Disney or Harry Potter or, or in
0: Star fact, Trek. To sort of bring it around to the first reference that you made, there's Supernatural uh, in, I want to say season four or five. Sam looks at Dean and says, uh, I can carry it for you <laughs> or I can carry you. <laughs> might not be able to carry that but i can carry you making a direct reference to lord of the rings and uh sam just looks at dean did you just make a lord of the rings reference so to to kind of bring that around for that reference kind of around full circle they do pop culture references so many times it's one of the um one of the uh reasons why i like the show
1: right yeah and i mean obviously then you you did you did um a podcast on community which in itself is sort of a a massive pop culture vehicle unto itself, right? So constantly, yes. Like the whole the
0: six seasons and a movie hashtag was born out of a show called The Cape, which lasted half a season on NBC, or maybe it was <laughs> CBS. Does it doesn't matter the network it was on. the The point of the 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 fact of the matter is that they developed this whole the whole. We, we need to get six seasons in a movie of Community because. like that show so much he wanted to see six seasons in a movie of it that's where that was born out of so yeah I mean that's so obscure yet it's that's what that just what that show did right
1: it created something right like it created a cultural idiom so I I think I I don't think it always has to be something brand new and I, I, I again I've been kind of saying that throughout the show but I think yeah a lot of the times, it's things referencing things where you can create new ideas,
0: or deconstructing the um, the tropes or the format, like that. Again, like Community did, right? They just deconstructed the sitcom. Oftentimes, like, and again, I talked about this one when I, when I did the Community podcast, the Bottle episode specifically. Rob Ed says, "Oh, it's the Bottle episode," and Jeff is telling him the whole time, "This isn't the Bottle. Like, stop saying that we're not on a sitcom, but they were." So was very fourth wall breaking. And, uh, you know, it was a way to take the existing tropes of a sitcom and, and play them out as they always do, but put their own little spin on it. So, you know, great show.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and then turning, turning the camera lens back around, sometimes television can, not always television, but other things too, but uh, sometimes media or pop culture can actually inform life. Yeah. So... As much as as much as this is something that is well known and well considered amongst geeks and fans of pop culture, but there's no way that the Motorola flip phone was not influenced by Star Trek, right? It's
0: oh yeah, 100%. it's such
1: a iconic image that uh, um, communicator, right? So the there's times where things get created out of things and. I think it's important to recognize that and just back to that original question, Can do we have room for new, new content or do people actually want it? Absolutely, they do. Um, it's, it's actually funny. I was on Facebook. Uh, I know, shame for shame. I was on Facebook um, <laughs> this morning and um, my cousin-in-law uh, shared a post. I don't know where it started from. I don't really care um talking about uh demolition man oh nice and how how the future actually right now that we're living in looks the most like the movie demolition man because we got to see this post
0: yeah i've seen them yeah because we got to use three seashells no it's actually a little bit goes a little (laughs) bit further than that uh i know i i I just like that one joke though
1: so there's no tp going to taco bell is a big deal. People refrain from physical contact because of spreading disease. And Westley snipes has been let out of prison.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that last one is fantastic. I love it. That's, yeah. that's really great.
1: So. Um, anyway, it's just amazing. I, I just thought that was really funny. Um, not necessarily that it predicted the future, but sometimes Sometimes I, I like to believe that pop culture can be uh a subtle persuader towards new ideas. So oh, yeah, I think for that's sure. what-
0: like how many Star Trek is probably like the best example. Like how many how much do people try and replicate the, <laughs> replicate the uh, <laughs> technology and start on Star Trek, the, the flip phone with that, you could get actually a sound for the razor where the Motorola, Motorola razor, where every time you flipped it open, it made the the communicator sound. And yeah. how many, like, so how many times have people, I mean, we talk about how warp technology isn't possible, at least as far as we can understand and Maybe it isn't, I don't know, but We're talking about, uh, I've read countless articles where people try to replicate like the transporter technology, where they've been able to like transport molecules, like very super, super small distances, or where they have tried to create antimatter and like, just because they saw it, like there's an antimatter reactor on Star Trek, right? So just to try and create it in real life, just because it was on Star Trek, right? So yeah, there's countless examples uh, of that. We're talking sure. to your computer. Yeah, we exactly. Can talk to
1: our computers now.
0: Yeah, that's right. So yeah, it can definitely right. be an influencer. So kind of with that in mind, how do you think, uh, as both an artist and as a, a consumer of art, how do you think we could try and foster creativity uh, and new content and not kind of the same old kind of formulas, especially. I mean, it's really a, a problem in film, I think, these days. Although, again, you so you kind of gotta go looking for it. So, I guess, um, like, how can we foster that? Well, at the same time, when you're creating art, you don't necessarily do that with uh, that in mind to create something brand new. So, how do you how do you think both, I guess, the artist community side and the consumer side can uh, can sort of Foster new and creative ideas. How do I
1: personally think?
0: So you yeah. want to solve it all in one minute? Yeah, there you go. Give me one <laughs> sentence that will solve all the words problems with creativity. No, I mean just kind of your opinion. Of what, like, how do you think we could? We I could think. I
1: think the best way to foster that. um Are you saying foster the the? Engagement? Just so we don't get.
0: Yeah, I mean, because just so we don't get stuck in. Like, I, I honestly see a lot of and especially these days and film will go in cycles it'll come back around to the indie filmmaker again i'm sure but right now it's to me it's stuck in a huge rut like if you look at the uh best picture nominees the oscar this year i mean sure there were several ones but there was nothing that in past years that just jumped out as amazing you know what i mean and I, I kind of think the film industry is stuck in a little bit of a rut in it right now. And I'm not sure if everyone agrees with that, but yeah, yeah I mean, how do you think we, that we could try and, and not fall into
1: that trap of safe? I think the, the easiest way to do it is to um, make stuff, uh, except that you don't have to have all the answers. And when you're making the stuff go out there and share it because um, in this media um, information age, the point of access to each other is actually so much broader than it's ever been. And um, it doesn't like what I always, what I always try and do is if I see something I've never heard of, an, a website or a social media channel or, you know, an, an, uh, information outlet, I'll actually go and try it out because that's a way to, to kind of get out of my comfort zone.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I, I say, I say get out of your comfort zone more often. Don't be afraid of stuff that you, don't know anything about or haven't been exposed to previously. There's this huge idea um, that was coined by a sociologist called cultural lag. Um, His name is William F. Ogburn. He talks about cultural lag being um, a point where as innovation changes and increases, it leads to generational gaps. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing that we're experiencing is that... um, because technology is evolving at a more rapid rate than generations are evolving. Like there's a massive just like difference between someone who is a baby boomer, for instance, and a Gen Xer, but the technology is so much more readily available to everyone that now it's like, we're getting to these weird branches and shards of use of things. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's even more, we're actually, we don't, we're not wanting for choice. We actually have more options and more people exploring things than ever before. But um, it's how we talk about the things that we're trying and learning. Just because like my parents, for example, use Facebook one way doesn't mean that it's the wrong or, or right way. It's just the way that their um, social circle or um sphere of influence is operating under so i think that's how you do it i don't know if that was i don't know if that was broad enough or narrow no no that's
0: good and to further that point a little bit i've seen so much because again like i have a tech background so i I've, I've seen so much of uh quite a bit of talk um in presentations online presentations ted talks and stuff like that where they talk about the there's a bell curve around uh how people adopt technology so you got your uh early adopters in the first part of the bell curve kind of in the middle are the people who you know after it starts to get some buzz they'll adopt it and then you got the you know the third part the, the the other uh the downswing of the bell curve where you have the People who are, you know, their last to, they wait for everybody else to try it out first. And usually, and I find this interesting, and usually it's um, the younger tends to skew more to the beginning of the bell curve and the older tends to skew more towards the uh, down slope of that bell curve. So uh, right. kind of to further your point, I think the, the research kind of um, spells that out a
1: little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so, so sometimes it takes a long time for ideas and beliefs to change in society because of that downslope mm-hmm. and the pe- the people in the position of greatest um, privilege and power are um, an older demographic, at least in Western society. Right. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to me why there's this cultural resistance to change right now but as but as millennials kind of become more of a dominating force i wonder if if that ideological standpoint or like cultural vibe if you want to be fast and loose with your terminology (laughs) um changes if that's going to change how much change is accepted
0: yeah exactly I don't know. I, it very well, and it very well might. I mean.
1: Yeah. It's, a, it's a, Like I said, it was a kind of a big question. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, uh, as on the other side, the, and I mean, I think you did cover both sides there, but I think also as uh, on the other side of the people who are uh, taking in the art, I think it's kind of our jobs when we find something new and innovative or different or creative to give it a fair chance and then if it's something that's i don't want to say good because good's not the right word but if it's something that's worthwhile then i think we need to champion it so i think that's kind of part of our
1: responsibility as well yeah just to accept something into the fold. If it seems, uh, if it seems like it's something it's like, God, I can't believe I'm going to quote Ted talks. (laughs) Ted Um, talks. Some Ted talks are really good. No, no, but tech talks is good, but it's also like kind of, it's, it's like pastiche in a way, but. uh, (laughs) 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 Um, Seen some really uh, good statistics ones on there, man. Ideas worth talking about. Okay. Like, if it's an idea worth talking, we we'll talk about it.
0: Yeah, like that's our tagline, right? Yeah, yeah. And and you know, we, it's you you can't be scared to. Let's say you can't. I mean, you you're you're able to, but I, I would hope that you wouldn't be scared to tell people that you like something for fear of how to make you look or, uh, to you know, to kind of be passionate about the stuff you like, and don't sort of just you know just sort of take things in and and just you know just well whatever you know just be kind of blasé about it
1: mhm yeah all good all good stuff yep so uh i think i've i'm spent i've said a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i
0: said i think that you have quite a bit uh quite a few notes on this one i know that you had a lot to talk about because like i said you're in the unique as we've covered you're kind of in the unique position that you 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 wear two hats a lot with this one
1: yeah i'm both i'm both creator and critic
0: yeah it's a heavy exactly. it was the head that wears it's the a, crown <laughs> it's a it's a tough uh it's a tough tightrope i think sometimes to walk so Anyway, with all that said, thanks for joining us this week. Please like, comment, subscribe, and we'll see you next time. I'm your host, Chris Murphy.
1: I'm Tim Kiefler. And this has been Confer
0: Culture.